just because people jab if they really like the song. Yeah, there's, there, there is a fine line. Like, you have like two different kinds of like jabs. You have people who really want to jab, they just want to do a lot of jabs. And like, a lot of people have like career splits. Without mics. Yeah, because we, it's 20 after, so we need to be done. Yeah. Paul, we are done, sir. Thank you. We are done. We are, we are so done.
What Calvary has bought for me, both now and forever, God, you are, God, you're so
guides my Yeah. 
You say, well, well, number one, why this topic? Why this topic? Well, number one, and I've said this before, every four years, half of the church gets mad. Right? Every four years, the Democrats get mad at the Republicans, the Republicans get mad at the Democrats. Our guy is not elected. Our guy is elected. And we sort of act like creation is based on that event. And it's not. We're going to see that he is Lord, no one else. Second thing is, I believe what this does is it creates sort of an imbalance in the body, imbalance in the church. We have some uh, who are really in disagreement, uh, and others who are in total disagreement, or, or total agreement. And so we have to be very careful. We are not supposed to hoist the Jolly Roger and to begin pirating and burning, right? We're not supposed to do that. But on the other hand, nor are we to placidly limp through our lives and be a doormat for the government. There's a balance, and that's what we want to try to strike. We want to try to strike the balance. There's several things, just by way of introduction, that we need to remember. Number one, our leader, Jesus, was a criminal of the state, and he was crucified between two other criminals. That's number one. Number two, Paul, if you take him, because he wrote Romans and Timothy and, and things like that, Paul, we'll see next week especially, was extremely disrespectful to civil authority, and he fled from the state. You can read it in 2 Corinthians 11th chapter. Remember the story in his life where he was let down from a basket outside the city so that he could flee from the governor, Eratus was his name, and so he talks about that in 2 Corinthians 11 and the stories in the book of Acts. So, if we are supposed to be totally obedient to government, why did Paul run away? 
He should have said, oh, 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 wait a minute. Governor Aretas wants to put me in prison. I got to do what the governor says. But he didn't. And don't worry, it's going to get real quiet in here. And I think it's going to be because you're going to be thinking. You're going to be thinking. And I want you to think through this with me. How about Peter? Peter was a fugitive through most of the book of Acts. In Acts, the 12th chapter, Herod kills James, and then he imprisoned Peter. And when he came and imprisoned Peter, an angel, you remember the story, an angel came, and I love the way the story puts it, the angel kicked him in his side. <laughs> he was sleeping in prison. The angel kicked him in his side, and, and he said, the door's open, let's get out. Now, again, wait a minute, if we're supposed to be obedient to civil authority and to government authority, should not Peter have said to the angel, hey, wait a minute, you could be an angel of light deceiving me. I'm supposed to obey the governor and I'm supposed to obey the authorities. I have to stay in prison. No, what did Peter do? Boy, he bolted so fast that the gate was swinging. So Peter flees and then in the 12th chapter of Acts, verse 19, Herod goes searching for him. And guess what? Peter's gone. He's now a fugitive. He's gone. Chapter 15, he comes back for the council in Jerusalem. And then for the entire book of Acts, he's gone. Peter is a fugitive from the law. John on the Isle of Patmos. The entire letter of Revelation was written in code because what John was saying was seditious. He was clearly talking about how the kingdom of God was going to overthrow Rome and destroy it. So he had to write it in Old Testament code that only the New Testament Jewish Christians would understand. Christians, and this is what we have to understand, Christians down through history have disobeyed civil government. Do you know that the gospel of Jesus Christ, at its core, at its root, is rebellious? We, are, we stand in a government, in a situation, in a society, and we say, there is only one king. His name is Jesus. Now, we can say that in America. You say, well... If, that's, if we can be disobedient, then go ahead and go to North Korea and say that. Go to Saudi Arabia and say that. Go to many other places. We have the luxury here that we can say it, and we can work with our government because of our way our government was founded. But in reality, the gospel of Jesus Christ says there is no other king in the universe other than Jesus Christ. Caesar is not a king. The president is not a king. Parliament's not a king. Only Jesus is a king. So it's always that way. Matter of fact, you can go back in history, wonderful, wonderful, well, not wonderful, but an amazing story of Patrick Henry. Patrick Henry, you know, one of the founding fathers, he was riding through Culpeper, Virginia, and as he rode through the center of town, he saw a man that was beating, being whipped brutally, and eventually he died, <clears throat> and uh, he stopped and he said to some of the people, why is this man being whipped so badly? And, and, he's, and the, the people said, oh, he's a minister, and he has refused to license the church to the king. There were 12 other prisoners that were in jail, many of whom got whipped, some more of whom died, because they did not want to license themselves to the King of England. Uh, so from that, Patrick Henry wrote those famous words, give me, do we hold life so sweet, so dear, give me liberty or give me death. That's how that all started in his mind. I told you a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, when we started this, 1776, the founding of this country, King George and his ambassadors called the revolution in America the Presbyterian Rebellion because so many preachers were preaching from the pulpit that they did not want to be subject to the king. They kept saying, we only have one king, and that is Jesus, and King George did not like that. Now, thankfully, 
that's the reason our country is what it is, and we don't have that anymore. And matter of fact, if you're in the Anglican church, I believe the queen is still the head of the church. I would probably buck against that now. I don't want some loser being the head of this thing. I want Jesus being the head. Probably shouldn't call the queen a loser. I don't want some old biddy being the head of this. I want Jesus. <laughs> if, if Christians were not disobedient to government, there would have never been a, a man named Martin Luther King Jr., we would have had no, had no Civil Rights Act in 1964. And from what I understand, he was a Christian. And many Christians gathered around him. The Underground Railroad was a network all through the North run by Quakers and Friends and Brethren churches that took slaves and saved them from the South and slavery. Disobedient to government. Disobedient. So we, we are in our nature as Christians is disobedience. We disobey this realm all the time. So that's part of us. So that's what we need to remember as we discuss this. But we also need to remember balance. I've come in my life to realize that the most difficult thing in the world in my life is balance. It is so hard to eat one donut. Balance. One donut won't hurt you. Seven will. I know, Jim. I know. You find that hard to believe. (laughs) But balance. Balance. and, And I believe for us as believers, balance means not always do we accept everything the government tells us. To be honest, and, and this is the other reason, and just from listening these past couple years, and, and a lot of this is rooted in, in COVID and things like that, but what's been surprising to me is uh, how many su- Christians suddenly have this incredible trust in everything the government says. Oh, the CDC said it, so that's it. Oh, the government said it, so that... Wait a minute, this government? Are you serious? This government that brought us into Vietnam, this government that did testing on our soldiers, this government that has done, just forget it, go down through history, you know what I'm talking about. This government, are you kidding me? And then also a sudden unswerving trust in big pharmaceutical companies. All of a sudden, we don't ask any questions about where their taxes go. We don't ask any questions about their profits. All of a sudden, big pharma is just the greatest thing to ever happen on God's earth. And pharma and government together are just phenomenal. Don't ask any questions. They're perfect in every way. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. See, see how this is going downhill already? Yeah. Don't worry. It's going to get better before it, it's going to get worse before it gets better. <laughs> so I, I, what, what my goal is here is to try to bring us to the middle of the road. Where's the center? Where's the balance? Can I be a follower of Jesus and still exert my opinion? Can I be a follower of Christ and still disobey certain ordinances? Am I allowed to do that? Am I allowed to say, no, I'm not going to do that? And, and that's what we want to examine. And finally, we're, we're we're not talking really necessarily about persecution, although that's part of it. Um, 
persecution is pretty much a settled fact for us. If you are in persecution because of your faith in Christ, then you have two options, really, die or run. There is no other option. You either have to stand or you have to run, which disciples and others did down through history. But we're also talking about personal choices, too. There are personal choices that we make in our lives where the government has to be involved. We can't, we really shouldn't go 130 miles an hour on the freeway, right? There are speed limits. There are things that we have to do. If, if, if you don't like taxes, if you don't like to pay property taxes, then don't own a home. You can rent a home. You can rent a condo. You can do whatever you want. You can lease something. You don't have to pay property taxes. Uh, if you don't want to pay license fees and all that kind of stuff, you don't have to own a car. You can Uber. You can move somewhere closer to it. You can do it like my son. My oldest son lives in Boston. He's never owned a car forever. He just rides a subway. That's all they do. So move to a big city with a subway. That's fine. You could do whatever you want to do. It's personal choices. What we are talking about, though, are decisions made by lunatics that are foisted upon us. Paying exorbitant taxes, allowing foul teaching in our public schools. Do we have a voice? Am I allowed to say something as a Christian? Am I allowed to say I don't want transgenderism taught to elementary school children? Am I allowed to say that as a Christian? Things like that. Being drafted. There are many wonderful people that are conscientious objectors, and we're going to talk about the word conscience next week because it comes into play very heavily for the Apostle Paul. But conscientious objectors, I'll help my country, I'll assist, I'll work in the hospital, but I, I just, as a believer, I cannot take up a rifle and shoot somebody that is a total stranger. I understand that. It's a conscience thing, and I understand it. So those are the questions we're going to talk about. And the thing to remember about all of this, this and next week as well, I'm actually not going to give you what you're supposed to do. I'm going to give you tools and ways that you can interpret these things and think about them. And guess what? You have to take off the diapers, put on the big pants, and make your own decision. And no one can do it for you. You have to do it yourself. So, three main points from this message. We're going to deal with just the first one today because I wanted to get this introduction out of the way. Three main points. What belongs to God? That's number one. What belongs to God? And number two, what does my conscience say? What does my conscience say? And number three, what is my highest authority? What is my highest authority? What belongs to God? What does my conscience say? And what is my highest authority? So let's look at the very first one. I'm going to have you open to Matthew, the 22nd chapter. And we're going to do with two, deal with two of the easiest ones today. These, these are simple. These are easy. These are pretty clear cut. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. And we're going to go down to verse 15 of Matthew 22. Uh, you know the story. <clears throat> it's very, very simple. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle Jesus in his talk. That's all they ever did, the Pharisees. And they sent to him their disciples, the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know... Uh, oh, boy. Uh, you'll see how Jesus answered these, answered these people. And actually, if you want to read verse 16 correctly, when the Herodians say, Teacher, we know that you are true, you have to read it this way. Teacher, we know that you are true. Right? <laughs> what a bunch of mealy-mouthed, hypocritical fools. Oh, my goodness. Teacher, we know that you are true and that you teach the way of God in truth, nor do you care about anyone, especially them, for you do not regard the person of men. 
Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, perceiving their wickedness, said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard these things, they marveled and left him and went their way. I have heard so many people say, hey, well, we got to do what Caesar says. Really? Really? Wow, I didn't know that. Render, render. Now, let's, let's, let's understand this. We're talking here about taxes, right? Taxes. There is no other topic here. It's taxes. It's coins. It's taxes. But there, of course, is a deeper point. Even though we're dealing with taxes, that's the starting point. The second thing we have to understand is that there are things that rightly belong to Caesar. Absolutely, there are things that belong to the United States government in your life. And there are things that rightly belong to God and God alone. So we have two systems. We have the world system and the kingdom of God. The big question that we start with is, in my life, what belongs to the world and what belongs to God? Big question. Because I belong to God, therefore I do not belong to Caesar. I can only belong to one person, God or Caesar. So my taxes belong to Caesar. My submission to law belongs to Caesar. As I said, speed limits belong to Caesar. All sorts of things belong to Caesar. But because I belong to God, I live above Caesar's law. And so now we have a problem. What do I see in my life that belongs only to God? And that's a question that only you can ask. Martin Luther King Jr. said, no, no, this is what belongs to God. All men are created equal. And he began a whole movement to correct something that was wrong in government. If, if, If we listened to just government, then we'd still have slaves now, right? Women would still not have the right to vote. Wait a minute, that might... I'm joking, I'm joking. (laughs) So the question I have to ask myself every day is, Father God, what in my life belongs to you? What in my life belongs to you? And and here's the neat thing about this, is, is... Because of this, and you can read it when you go home, 1 Timothy, the second chapter, Paul tells us to pray for those in authority. And here's the neat thing about that. I can pray for those in the system because I am above the system. I can can pray for God's intervention and wisdom because I'm not part of the mess. I can pray that God's understanding for those, uh, uh, I can pray for that understanding because they're trapped in a dying system. I could bring his world into a disgusting, decrepit Roman system. I could bring light into a dark system because I'm not darkness, I'm light. I can bring saving grace and salt into a dying system because I'm the saver. I'm not part of them. I'm from another kingdom. I belong to God, not them. But, but this is where the conflict begins then, isn't it? In my life, what belongs to God and what belongs to the world? What do I take into my life from the world and possess it? Now, my spirit definitely does not belong to the world, so I do not render my spirit to Caesar ever. My spirit belongs to God. I'm seated in heavenly places with him. 
My soul nature, does it belong to God? Well, it shouldn't. I should not be controlled by my feelings, by emotions. I should not be controlled by fear of what's happening in the Ukraine now. I should not be controlled by fear of a disease or fear of an, an economy. Uh, those things should not cause me fear and worry because I'm above those things. I belong to God, not to those things. I, I, a, good, a silly, silly little example of this was, I really wanted to see the Bengals win the Super Bowl. Okay? And then they lost, and I was sort of bummed out. I don't even know why. Maybe because it was an Ohio team or something. I wanted to see them win. But then, a lot of you heard it. A lot of you heard that very verbal brother on the Rams give his testimony. Did you hear that? It's unbelievable about how the Lord spoke to him, and God told me what was going to happen. And he gives this wonderful testimony right in front of all the news. It was amazing. So then I got all confused because I wanted to hate the Rams... But then I heard that testimony, and then I was like, oh, man, my emotions got all tangled up with Rome. For what silly reason? So my soul nature does not belong to the world. My soul nature belongs to God. Does my body belong to the world? Obviously not. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It does not belong to the world. But do I treat my body like it belongs to the world? Well, sometimes, right? Do I treat my body like the temple of the Holy Spirit? Or do I let Dunkin' Donuts get in the way? (laughs) I knew there would be no amen there. That's okay. See, this is the confusion of in but not of. And that's what we're dealing with. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are in the system, but we are not of the system. God's kingdom, a kingdom that is but is not yet. See, the Colossian believers had this problem too, didn't they? They were starting to fall back into legalism and fall back into the religions and and, and world systems of the day. And Paul had to write to them and say in the third chapter, If you are risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the Father. Don't set your affections on things below, for you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. How about the Galatians? Oh, foolish Galatians, Paul said. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now going to be made perfect by the flesh? Listen, folks, there is nothing in this world that will complete us. No law will complete us. No money will complete us. No degree will complete us. No person will complete us. No president, no senate, no house. Nothing will complete us. Only Jesus will complete us. So, am I being wrapped up, bound up, and controlled by the Babylon that's around me? Am I letting it dictate my life? Am I, let it's, am I living beneath it? Am I being absorbed by it? I, is, is Caesar my God, or is Jesus my God? Let me give you what one of the early church fathers said about this. Tertullian said, and I love the way he puts this, when he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. He said, Give to Caesar his image stamped upon his coin and give to God his own image stamped upon you so that while you render to Caesar the coin which is his due, you may render your own entire self to God. Now, see what's happening here? I'm laying some things out for you that you're going to have to make some decisions on. It's up to you. It's up to you. All throughout history, God's people have chosen his ownership over their, of their soul and their body and their spirit 
over the society that they were in. And that's what we're dealing with here. We're really not even dealing with a government. We're dealing with society, aren't we? Because society creates the government. So we're dealing with society. And, and, and all through history they did. Joseph was given a coat of many colors. And it was, it was uh, uh, put together. Uh, history tells us it's actually colors and types of, of fabric pieced together to show leadership. A colored thing like this was usually given to princes <clears throat> who were ascending to the throne. And in spite of every circumstance, Joseph knew that he was ascending and not descending. Joseph knew that his body might be in a pit, but his spirit was on the throne. He knew that his soul might have been bound by Potiphar, but his spirit was ascending. Even when he was trapped in prison, he knew he was already seated on the throne in authority. Moses was trained in a system, but he was not part of that system. He was placed in a basket and sent to his destiny, trained by a country that was not his own, Soon to be used, soon to use their very tools to take their kingdom from them and give it to somebody else. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, oh, what a wonderful story. Be it known unto you, O king, we will not bow. We will not bow. Listen, let me paraphrase. They said, we do not belong to you. You belong to us. You do not rule us. We rule you. So do what you want. God will deliver us. And if he doesn't deliver us, guess what? Your kingdom is going to fall anyway. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, trapped in the rubble of a fallen Judah. Israel was gone. Judah was gone. The capital was gone. There was nothing left until he realized that he was not part of the rubble. He was just in the rubble. Listen, you can be in the rubble, but just never let the rubble get in you. I'm not part of the current Babylonian system that resides in Pennsylvania Avenue. I'm not part of the Babylonian system that resides at Miralago. If you don't understand that, that's fine. I am above it, not beneath it. Though I am in the rubble, I live above the rubble. I am not part of a Roman Empire that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. I am above the Roman Empire. I rule it. I take dominion over it. If gas hits four or five dollars, then my God shall supply all my need according to his riches by Christ Jesus. If the groceries get too high, then I'll eat less and probably be happier. There was an awful, awful day in Jewish history. You know it well. When Pilate presented Jesus to the Jewish people. The same people that just cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Pilate washed his hands. He says, I'm innocent of this blood. I don't know what you guys are complaining about. And the Jews said, let his blood be on us and our children. And then they doubled down and the leadership stood up and said, we have no king but Caesar. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to make that same fateful decision in my life. I have no other king than Jesus. I care not what harlot rides the back of our government. My king is Jesus. I care not what the Babylonian church declares. My king is Jesus. I don't care what society says. My king is Jesus. I don't care if the whole world agrees and elects one person. He's not my king. My king is Jesus. Let God be true and every man a liar. I 
I, I believe that we have got to stop protesting and start professing to the world, speaking the truth and exposing the lies and doing it, listen, without apology. Stop apologizing. I do not have to apologize for what my king tells me. Because this is true. I don't have to apologize for it. Why, why, why do I have to apologize because I still believe there are two genders? Why do I have to apologize? I'm not the crazy one. I sure hope, if you believe that you're a man on Tuesday and a, and a woman on Friday, you better hope that if they put you into the emergency room that they operate the right way. Do you, you ever notice this, by the way? Do you ever notice whenever they do an archaeological dig... Did you ever notice they never find, they only find two sexes? Did you ever notice that? The bones that they find, it's only a man or a woman. It's been that way for thousands of years. Why do I have to, well, I believe there's, I don't want to offend you. I don't want to offend you. Why do I have to apologize for saying evolution is a well-crafted lie? Why do I have to apologize for saying that global warming is a money-making machine for governments and business? Why do I have to apologize for homosexuality? Why do I have to apologize and say transgenderism is a lie that's destroying people's lives? Why do I have to apologize for that? I've got the truth! Now, I'm not saying be an arrogant fool. I'm just saying, this is my belief. If you don't like it, there's the door. I don't care. Why, why are they allowed to take all of our words? Why, why are they allowed to take the word gay? I never use that word, by the way. I am not a heterosexual. I am not a straight man. I'm a heterosexual, period. A straight is a point between two lines. A line between two points, a straight line. I'm not straight. I'm a heterosexual. Gay. Hey, listen. When I want to sing something from West Side Story, I'm going to sing it. I feel pretty. I feel pretty. I feel... Sing along. Pretty and witty and gay. Why do I have to apologize for that and smirk and go, Ooh, he said gay. Why are they allowed to take my rainbow? It belongs to me. It belongs to my God, not theirs. My God did it first. Why do I have to change my whole vocabulary for them? It is I, you, he, she, it, we, they, you. That's it. That's plural. That's it. It's done. It's not Xi, Zhem, Zhang, Jing, whatever. If you want to be a girl on Thursday and a boy on Saturday, that's up to you. I don't care, but I'm just going to call you. Well, then why don't we, I'll just call everybody bingo. How's that? <laughs> bingo, can I have my coffee? Thank you very much. Yes, officer. I'm not uh, officer bingo. I'm not sure why you stopped me. Thank you, Dr. Bingo, for giving me the... Uh, I'll create my own words. Now, now many of us... Many of us uh, at this are laughing and, and I understand because a lot of us don't have to deal with this that much anymore but all young people that are in college and high school right now raise your hands raise your hands real high they're the ones they're the ones that are going to be going into a workforce that they're going to have to say what they need to say and, and they're going to have to make some choices and decisions it's tough I'm praying for them matter of fact let's just pray for them right now Father in the name of Jesus I thank you for your wisdom and your strength and your knowledge in this younger generation that you're going to allow them to stand up for righteousness 
to do it in a way that is glorious and wonderful and reaching out to people and helping people in need, but they will stand up like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and say what's right and what's wrong in this wicked and perverse generation in Jesus' name. Tough, tough. I believe it's time that we start obeying our king, who is Jesus, without apology. Martin Luther King Jr. never apologized, did he? I don't remember. I don't remember that. Our founding fathers never apologized. Don't remember that. Everything that's happened good just about in this world, they've never apologized. You say, well, I see where you're, I see where you're going with this, and I understand, um, but we live in a pluralistic society. That's fine. They can be as pluralistic as they want. But before long, this pluralism can really start making some changes and affecting things in your life. For instance, and I'll close with this. This is not fantasy. This is reality in China and other countries. What if all of a sudden in this country, uh, they say, uh, well, you know, there are too many people in the United States now. And um, because of global warming, we need to reduce the population or limit population growth. So you're only allowed one child per family. And in order to, uh, ha- in order to allow that to happen, uh, and by the way, this is already being put out by some people, so just so you know. Uh, in order for that to happen, we are going to have to have women take a pregnancy test every month. Would, would, do you think that's intrusive or not? This is my body, the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is my body. It belongs to me. My body, my choice. (laughs) Ever heard that? My body, my choice. My body, my choice. And if God says to me, I'm going to have three children, then I'm going to have three children. And no, I'm not going to take your government test every month. Choices choices that need to be made. So, I believe that we need to start saying, Father God, every morning, I belong to you. I belong to you. What do you want to do with this spirit, this soul, and this body? How do you want me to walk? What direction do you want me to take? And Father, I'm going to do it your way. It may cost me everything. I may have to change my job. I may have to move to another location. I'm, something may happen. I don't know. But I want to do it your way because your way is the best way. Amen. And that's what it means to belong to God. Now, next week, we're going to balance this a little bit more. We're going to balance it. We're going to talk, talk about the Apostle Paul. Nineteen times in Paul's writing, he uses the word conscience. Nineteen times he talks about conscience. Talks about it with the weaker eating meat with the stronger. Remember that whole thing? And then he talks about it in relation to government. He talks about it in relation to obedience to authority. He uses the word conscience. And that's why when this is all done, it's going to be up to you to go into your prayer closet and say, now, Holy Spirit, lead me in the way that you want me to go because I need to hear your voice in my heart. Do you know that uh, as I close this, I, I have to credit Brother Matt. Raise your hand back there, Matt. Wave it. He doesn't want me to do that, but we were talking before church, and we were talking about Babylon, and he said, and I just checked out very quickly, that the root word of Babylon is Babel, and it literally means confusion. Is, con- is Babylon in confusion right now, or is it not? Oh, my Lord. It is a worldwide catastrophic confusion. 
truckers coming one way, Russian forces going the other way, <laughs> protests coming here, things, utter confusion. But guess what, folks? I do not have to let their confusion be my confusion. I don't have to have any confusion whatsoever. I can stand on this and do what it tells me to do, and I don't need to be confused about a thing. And I'm glad, because I'm confused about too many things right now as it is. And I'm glad I can concentrate on him. Let's just bow our heads. Father, I thank you so much that we are not of this world. I thank you that you have given us instruction, not only through your word, but you've given us instruction through our brothers and sisters in history. You've shown us how sometimes we have to run, sometimes we have to fight. Sometimes we have to stand our ground, sometimes we have to quietly merge into the background. But whatever you tell us to do, we want to do it because we belong to you. We belong to you. I have a, I have a social security card in my, in my pocket that just tells me I'm a citizen of the United States. But I need to understand and remember that I am a citizen of a higher country. And that that will always be secondary to the higher calling that you've given all of us. And so, Father, help us to concentrate on that higher calling, to walk toward that higher calling. Along the way, I believe this world, whatever is being said about this world, this world is really looking for black and white. They're looking for yes and no. They're desiring to see something strong and stable in people's lives. And I believe as we walk through this Babylon, through this craziness, through this confusion, I believe that you're going to lead people to us and they're going to say, wow, I want to know why you're not filled with fear. I want to know why you're not worried. I want to know why you're not confused. And we could tell them about our King, Jesus. And lead them into that wonderful kingdom of light and love and joy and peace. We thank you for doing that in our lives. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand to our feet together. How many are going to hang in there with me? Okay, good. Hang in there. We'll get there. Don't worry. And by the way, Jim, there's a red light on in this thing. Does that mean it's on? Oh, okay. I was hoping this wasn't going to go over Facebook because we'll probably have protests all around the church next week. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. Turn around. Bless one another. You're dismissed. Go forth belonging to Jesus. He's your king.